Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this place where I talk about many different aspects that go on in my stay-at-home dad life. Things with my family, my kids, my spouse, ways to be a better father and a better husband. I talk about men's mental and physical wellness. I talk about parenting struggles I have, a few success stories as well, some of those. I also talk about tips, life tips, parenting tips that I have, that I also find online and throughout my life. And lastly, I talk about just random things that uh, pop into my head that I find interesting or entertaining or things that I just need to tell someone. And I come on here and I talk to you about them. So I hope something in there entertains or enlightens or educates in some fashion. So anyways, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for sitting in with me. All right, so first off, I'm just going to touch on a few things today. No real direction or... No real stay-at-home dad wisdom for today. Just some observations, some stories, some complaints probably. Maybe just, uh, you know, just a recap on what's going on. I know I took last week off, so, you know, I'll just get into a few things. And uh, maybe I'll tie it in or I will attempt to tie it into uh, some sort of dad uh, something or other. So, Anyways, I hope everyone had a great holiday weekend, great Thanksgiving. You know, we had all those uh, gatherings this last week. I mentioned I was having a bunch of family coming into town, and I was going to be quite busy, hence the Dad Classic episode last week. Well, I was. I was very busy. I had my sister, her husband, and they've got two daughters. They came to visit for a few days. I also had my mom and my stepdad come out for a few days throughout that week. So, yeah, it was a lot of people. Six adults, four kids in my house. It was it was full. But it was a good time. It was smoother than you would think with that many people, especially family members, in one, you know, place. It went it went swimmingly I'll say and plus my wife and I have never really like legit hosted a meal Thanksgiving Christmas like with a lot of people well no I take that back we did a Christmas one a few years ago but I don't think we were really in charge of like cooking I think my mother-in-law still cooked a lot so this Thanksgiving we were really the ones that were, you know, taking the bull by the horns. We were going to be cooking. We were prepping. We were planning essentially the entire meal. So it was kind of a nice change. It was kind of cool to be the ones in charge, you know, make the decisions and and cook things that we want to cook and what other people enjoy having and, and all that stuff too. So it was kind of fun. And it turned out really well. My wife, she's just become this amazing cook. And she doesn't really eat a lot of the food she cooks for some dietary reasons and things going on in her life that I'll talk about at another time. But, yeah, she's just a baller in the kitchen. That's all I can say. So it it went really, really well. And it's kind of funny, too. A little observation that I noticed having my family around, something with my parents. And it's no fault of their own, but I can tell that they're my parents. They're my mom and my stepdad, right? And some parenting aspects 
or habits or that parenting mentality, it never goes away. It never completely subsides. Even though I'm 40, I'm 40, almost 42 years old, I still get that parenting vibe sometimes. They still want to help. They still want to guide me. They want to parent me in some fashion. And I'm saying this in the nicest way possible, okay? It's not bad. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating an observation. I just notice it. You know, they want to help me on how I cook stuff or how I prep stuff or or how I drive. I was driving my stepdad's truck and he was, you know, directing a little bit. And I thought it was just kind of, I don't know. It made me chuckle in my head. You know, they still have that parenting mode in some respects to help me be better. It's funny how parents are in that mode a lot or maybe all the time to teach, to guide, to help. It just never really goes away, right? And I know that's something that I am going to end up doing as my girls grow up and when they become adults. I'm going to be there the same way that my my parents are to help them, to correct, to guide, to help in any way that I possibly can, you know, to teach. That's just normal. I wouldn't see it any other way. So that's why I want to say, I just want to make sure I'm not complaining and, and bitching about anything. It's just an interesting observation. And it's also noteworthy that it goes both ways too. When now me, as an adult, I know a lot more about certain topics than any of my parents do. About mechanics or building certain things or fixing certain things, I can explain it to them and kind of educate them and help them as well. And I think that's kind of cool. My parents know a lot about other things. They were teachers. They know a lot about those other aspects and dealing with kids and and teaching and all that. And now that I'm an adult, my sister is an adult, we've all fallen into our little niches our own areas of expertise, I guess you could kind of say, and uh, we can help each other, and I think that's kind of neat. Let me, uh, let me say, when we were little, though, like how my kids are now, we, we knew nothing, right? I shouldn't say totally nothing, but we, we didn't know a lot. We were kids. We didn't know how the world worked or politics or doing a lot of different things, so we really needed all that guidance, you know, all that parenting that we could get. We were blank slates. So it was kind of paramount for our parents to do that. And like I said, that aspect of just parenting, it doesn't just stop. It kind of evolves and changes into something else, more as a confidant and somewhat of a guide. And I don't know, I can appreciate that. I think it's kind of neat. Also, I just recently read in a Newsweek article as I was kind of going over this topic before I got on here, and it was about parents and their relationships with their kids and it was about mainly about estranged parents and families and I'm actually very thankful that my family is not that I'm not estranged from really anyone in my family parent wise but it's kind of sad it's really sad stuff I was reading this article and it said in 2022 
as high as 7% of people were estranged with their mother and up to like 27% were estranged from their father. And I thought that was kind of alarming. It was a little, you know, reading 27% of people out of the whole country, I'm guessing. That's a, that's a lot of people, you know. The article said the top reasons were toxic behavior, differences in values, lack of support, abuse, lack of empathy, changing in times. You know, there was a lot of reasons that these people chose that path, I guess. Now, I'm not going to go over all of those or deep dive into any of that stuff, but actually maybe I should. sounds like there's a lot of information out there on this, and maybe I could uh, dive into it and talk about it, but I'll save that for a different time, of course. But yeah, if you want to look at that article, I'll link it in the description. You can check it out. It was a Newsweek article, but kind of interesting stuff. It goes over all of those different reasons as to why people do what they do. And like I said, I'm just glad that I don't really have any of those issues with my parents. You know, my parents are divorced. They're both remarried. So yeah, it's uh, a little bit different dynamic, but it's been pretty good overall, even adding that other layer that could make things kind of stressful for some people. So it's been, I've been lucky. Let me say that. Now, my cousins, on the other hand, uh, they could walk by me on the street. They could just walk right by, and I probably wouldn't even recognize them or realize who they were. So, And that's not from you know being estranged or anything. It's just distance and not really having a close bond and relationship with cousins. You know, We're spread all over the country, and it's been, I can't even remember the last time that I saw them, and I'm 40, so it's been at least 20 to 30 years. So, is what it is, I guess. Oh, and speaking of kids not knowing anything, I'm quite impressed with my girls. I really am. They're nine and six, and they're just figuring things out and learning as they go. And I can just watch them, and it impresses me. They just soak up all this knowledge, and they watch us. That's a big deal to me, is how much I think parents forget or don't realize how much their kids are watching them. It's a ton. It's, I talk about it a lot. I know it's a lot. You are, we are the role models for these guys. Okay. And I think a lot of times people forget that. And then the parents act one way and the kids act another and the parents are pissed because the kids are acting that way. And it's like, well, where'd they get it from? You know, I'm, I'm just saying we're the role model. We're the teachers. We're the we're the ones they look up to. So that's something we just have to keep in mind. My kids have been checking out these books, though, from the library, these fact books and reading them and just, like I said, just soaking up all this information about the world and nature and life and just just facts, you know. Uh, a porcupine has 6,000 quills or something, you know. I don't know if that's true, but something like that. And then recently... They've been heading out to the woods with their friends, come to find out. So my neighborhood has like a tiny little strip of woods behind it. It's just just trees and shrubs and bushes. It's not kept up or anything. It's, it's wildlife. It's like trees. Well, they've been going in there and exploring and, and poking around and digging and finding things and just, I don't know, just experiencing stuff. And I guess my point is with all this is they're just immersing themselves 
into things and places, and they're just learning. Man, I love it. I, I think it's awesome. And then, you know, I've seen some other kids out playing and doing stuff, and they're busy taking selfies with a phone and doing funny poses and faces and, and having a different kind of fun. And honestly, all I can say is I'm very content and happy that my girls are out exploring woods and getting stickers stuck in their coats from the bushes and uh, just walking around in the dirt. And no matter how many times it annoys me when they come home with stickers and I got to help them pull them out, I would rather them do that than the latter of taking selfies on a phone or an iPad. So there's that. Okay, let's move on here. Let's keep this uh, ship a rolling, I guess. I know I've talked about dogs and pets a lot lately, annoying pet owners. I don't know what else I've talked about. I know I've complained a lot, but my wife and I are thinking of jumping back in the puppy arena again. So it's been like three years since we've had our last dog. She died. And my kids are all about dog, 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 or pet, pet, pet. You know, they just, they just are really into it. And so, I don't know, we thought, okay, let's, uh, let's jump in here. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's do some research. Let's look at some animals. And in my opinion, having a dog is a huge part of being a kid. Having a dog and having a pet, that's just what childhood was about. You have your little dog, you know? So here we are, we're looking. So we do research, we start poking around, looking at akc.org, and we find one. We find a couple, actually, and my wife says, hey, let's, you know, the kids are in school, this place is, it's northern Indiana, it's kind of, I don't know, two and a half hours away, so we're like, screw it, let's just get in the car, drive there, check it out. Thing was 1150 bucks, not cheap, but in the world of dogs these days, it wasn't, you know, wasn't outrageous. It was palatable, I guess. So we head out, we drive up there, we get to the address where we're going. It's kind of a farm up northern Indiana. We get to this farm, and then all of a sudden, this Amish woman comes out of this house. And we get out of the car, and there's snow on the ground. It's freezing cold. And she says, oh, you're here to see so-and-so. We're like, yeah. So she's, okay, we'll bring you down there. We'll... We'll uh, introduce you to this other lady. And the reason I say Amish woman is because I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of Amish people, you know? So it just kind of stuck in my head. It's like, oh, she had the bonnet on and everything and the old timey clothes. And I was like, okay, I'm like, what? Right on. That's, that's, you do you. So we go down, we see the dog, we like the dog. We met with the, the other lady, the lady we've been typically dealing with. I didn't know who the bonnet lady was, but we weren't ever talking with her. We were talking with the one other one we met. I know this sounds very confusing. So we go down there. We see the dog. We like it. It's cute, of course. I mean, it's a freaking puppy. It's white. I know the color doesn't matter to you, but, you know, it, it checks all the boxes. For, for the most part, playful, a little bit shy, which is fine. Wasn't scared of people, stuff like that. So we start asking this woman questions, and she's not the breeder because the breeder was sick or breeder was something else. So I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but anyways, she wasn't the breeder. So she didn't have, like, all the answers to the questions we were asking, 
but she she you know had most parent history socialization the parents to the puppy was there we got to see them so we ask all these questions and then i ask do the dogs typically live in households do they live in homes you know do they get a lot of interaction in 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 like a home setting and she said well they get a lot of interaction and a lot of socialization but no she said they live here in this kennel in this building right it's a building nice building it was clean there was different uh kennels like separated kennels and they were clean and they were of good size and they had little doggy doors to go out and the there was an outside area that was all fenced. It was very large and pens and stuff like that. So it was very well kept. But it just threw me off a little bit. Like, is this normal? Is this just how breeders are? That the dogs just live here? You know, that doesn't that sound weird to you? I don't know. Like, in my mind, and granted, I've never been to a breeder. I've never been to a, anything that really deals with dogs other than the the Petco, where they, you know, where they sell dogs, I guess. But so I, I, I don't have a lot of experience here. So I am kind of learning as I go. Is this normal? Is this a normal breeding breeder situation? Now, we all have the ideas of a puppy mill, right? We all have these kind of picture in our heads of what that looks like and how terrible it is. We've all seen the Sarah McLaughlin commercials. On, on how deplorable these places are, right? This place was not that, okay? There wasn't dogs with matted fur. There wasn't fecal matter everywhere. There weren't, they weren't in tiny little pens where they couldn't stand up. You know, they could go outside. They could go, you know, in these other areas. So it was not that. I just still had a hard time kind of wrapping my head around that the dogs don't really have homes that they go to, you know? That they just live in this big kennel all the time. They have their puppies, they get bred there. And then what happens to those adult dogs? I, I don't know. Do they get adopted out, I'm assuming? Do they then go to live with other family members or whatever? That's, that's kind of the mystery. Maybe that's a question I should have asked. But doesn't that sound kind of sad to you? Doesn't that sound kind of like not a great life? Like I said, maybe this is totally normal for breeders in that situation. I don't know. So if you know, please PM me. Please podbean.com or Instagram at stayathomedads underscore podcast and literally send me a message and let me know. Because I'm still, my mind is kind of reeling a little bit. Anyways, let's roll this story along here. We decide not to buy the dog that we drove two and a half, almost three hours to go see. That whole thing, it just didn't, it didn't sit right with us, I guess. Like I said, we liked the animal. It was a mini schnauzer. That was our previous dog. It checked all the boxes. And I felt kind of bad not getting it in a way, almost like we wanted to rescue it which it wasn't really a rescue because we were paying a lot of money for it. But the thing is, <clears throat> if we would have bought that dog with the mentality that, oh, we're going to save it, there's just going to be another litter right behind it. You know what I mean? And that was the other thing too. They had probably seven or six different litters of puppies in there, 
of varying breeds and who knows how many were in the back, which was like another room we didn't really see. And that kind of seemed a little suspect to me as well, a little red flag, you know, that, hey, you're not specializing or specialized in one or two types of breeds. You have a bunch, you know, like you're just doing the most popular ones. There were boxers and shih tzus and cavaliers in there and other schnauzers in there, Pomeranians. So there was a lot going on. And typically I would think, hey, you're going to streamline and you're going to be very proficient and professional and dedicated to like one or two breeds. That's how I thought it would be in my mind. But this place was not that. So I don't know. But make a long story longer. Yeah, we left. We we didn't buy it. I just couldn't get my head around the commercialization of it. The the you know, that's how it came off to me that this is a business. And it is a business. I understand that. But like I said, it didn't didn't sit right, that's all. So once we got home, we started doing research. Probably research that we should have done before we drove up there. So reading articles on breeders and kennels, and we even started contacting other breeders. And what I gleamed from this whole process from start to where we are now is that puppy breeders and kennels and stuff are shrouded in a lot of mystery, or some of them at least. And that's very strange to me. Like it's a shoddy, secretive business in some some fashion. Some of these breeders answer your questions you have. Some dance around them or ignore them in emails. And it just seems suspect to me. And it's giving me the impression that it's hard to trust these people in this industry. Like I said, unless I'm reading entirely too much into this, which maybe I am, so I don't know. Is that just the nature of the business? Is that just how breeding dogs works? And I think maybe the reason that I'm so, what's the word I'm looking for, skeptical of all this is because all of the puppy mill stuff and from what I have read so far on, you know, researching all this stuff, there's a lot of negativity around puppies and dogs and pet stores and all that, like a lot. Start doing some research. Just literally go to Google and punch in some of this stuff and your mind is going to just, I don't maybe you won't be as surprised as me, but you're going to be like, wow, yeah, this is, this is weird. It's very, I don't know. I just don't like it. So in all this research that we've done, we did find that the breeder that we almost bought from did have some issues with the local humane society here. And I actually found a link, an article on uh, a local news station here. And it was something where this breeder had ended up on this list of 100 breeders that were had violations or were not doing what they should be doing as a puppy breeder. So it was uh, kind of alarming to read the name of this breeder on there and uh, what they were doing. One of the things that they got hit for was a puppy had hair falling out and scabs on its body. I'm assuming that's mange. Another one was they were taping a puppy's ears to promote them to, I guess, grow a certain way. I've never heard of this before, but doing some other research, I guess, with certain breeds that they do that little red flaggy, if you ask me. 
uh, not good press. So I'm thinking maybe we made the right call on passing on that dog. You know, it was pulling at our heartstrings and we were really uh, struggling with it, you know, but maybe we made the right call to not, not do that, not go down that road. So then I came across this other article. Let me talk about more articles here. And it was about Amish breeders across the country, as well as here in my state. And I guess breeding dogs is really big in their communities. And I also read that they don't necessarily have the same relationship with puppies that most people do, like what I would say I do. They see them more as a commodity, a good to raise and sell and make a living off of. And I guess you could look at any breeder and that's going to be similar, right? I mean, people don't just breed to breed. They don't just breed fun times. They're breeding to, you know, make money. I mean, sure, they want to or they should want to breed to make the breed better, to make the dogs better and, you know, for the love of doing it, I guess. But sure, there's going to be the money aspect as well. Also, I'm not demonizing all Amish breeders, but, you know, they do get a lot of attention online, a lot of negative attention. If you just start searching Amish dog breeders, it's going to come up with a lot of a lot of stuff. So, I mean, I'll demonize any breeders that treat animals poorly. But now, the Amish woman walking out to meet us up in northern Indiana it makes sense now that we were at an Amish breeder. Just kind of a interesting thing there. It's, uh, I don't want to say it's weird, but I don't know. This is different. Also, interesting fact here that I found in all this digging I did was 2019 to 2022, breeders in my state have gone up 25%. And I guess in Illinois, they've gone up substantially. Ohio, they've gone up substantially. Iowa, even, they've gone up a bunch. And, uh... I don't know. I guess they say it's because of how lucrative this business is, especially with online puppy buying now. So they are popping up and people are getting licensed and registered to be dog breeders. The funny thing is, I shouldn't say funny, but the interesting thing is, is the counties where the Amish communities live are some of the ones in my state that had the most uptick in breeder licenses. So... That's uh, kind of an interesting thing there. Amish and Mennonite, I should say. That's what the article had told me. So so what have I learned from this whole experience? I know this is a lot of word uh, vomit, I guess you could say. But uh, what have I learned? What have I learned so far in my quest to find a dog for my family? Well, do your research, A. Do digging. Ask questions. See how willing they are to give you information. Ask to go visit the breeder. Ask to see the parents of the puppy. So here's some questions, actually, that I found on uh, pawride.com. It's kind of a dog thing, dog website. They go in-depth on breeders, and they list good breeders and stuff like that. Well, they've got this rundown of questions. I'm going to go through a few of them, questions they say that you should ask before buying a dog. Ask how long they've been breeding the dogs. Ask why they're breeders and what's their experience with the breed. 
They should also be, they should be very knowledgeable about the strengths and weaknesses and the genetic diseases and problems with the dogs. Like if they're good breeders, they should know all that stuff. They should do genetic testing on the dog. They should be breeding to breed out those problems that that breed of dog has. I, should, I read that people should be breeding to improve, right? To offer the best puppy that they can. And they say that these breeders, good ones, they should be very passionate about what they do. They should want to just talk to you about how amazing these puppies are and dogs are and, and yada, yada, yada. They shouldn't just be cutting to the chase about how much money is it and how they're going to get paid. Another question is ask about puppy socialization. This Paw Ride article says early socialization is crucial and it sets a solid foundation for a puppy to be a great companion. That's one thing that bothered me about those dogs I saw. They were in a kennel, they weren't in a house, so they're not around people, they're not around, you know, the TV or whatever to be social. There's people having to come down, take part out of their day, come down and visit with them for who knows how long. The woman said that the kids came down, the kids lived on this farm and they would come down and visit with the dogs every day, but these are just words, you know, I don't, I don't know. When I see them living out there in a box 30 yards from the house, how often do they get socialized with? So that's kind of an interesting thing. That's why I was wondering about dogs being raised or puppies in a home. And I asked them that and they told me no. Also ask about the health of the parents and make sure that they are breeding healthy dogs. Make sure they're not breeding their dogs too early and make sure they're not breeding their dogs too often. Granted, I think those are things that they're not going to tell you, but I think it's worthwhile to ask and just say, hey, you know, how often do you guys breed your dogs? You could act dumb with it too and say, oh, oh how many litters do you do a year? And, and uh, yada, yada, yada. You know, you could kind of spin it and I think it would be all right. There were a lot more questions in this article. I'll link it just in case you are uh, in the same conundrum that I'm in. But I think those were the most important ones in my book. You know, they had some about food and other things like that, but uh, kind of general stuff. And the breeder that I went to, the one that my wife and I checked out, they answered most of those questions. And like I said, the breeder wasn't there. The actual person that bred the dogs was not there. So we didn't get all of the answers to those or clear answers, but we did get some, you know, we got to see the parents, we got to see the facility, we got to see that they weren't in tiny little cages. So no, we didn't go to a puppy mill. They didn't hide anything. They let us walk right in there. You know, like I said, we got to see everything. So it wasn't as bad as a Sarah McLaughlin commercial. So who knows? Maybe this is just all new to me, and I have never seen this side of the dog breeding business. So I, see, I typically see the pet store side, the cute dogs wanting to play side, you know? Which, yes, pet stores come with their own controversy with puppy mills and everything else. I'm just saying, though, maybe I don't understand how this all works, and what I saw was totally normal. So anyways... If you're thinking of getting a pet, you know, maybe like for the holidays, like we are, I don't know, attempting to do, just do your due diligence, ask questions, go see the dogs, don't buy straight from a pet store. They say that you want to see the parents, you want to see how they act, you want to be able to interact with them. So yeah, just do your research like we should have done before we drove hours and hours to 
some uh, Bumble F place in northern Indiana. So, Oh, and that's something else I need to tell you about as well, was our actual trip almost three hours up and three hours back in an electric car, my wife's Tesla, driving in pretty much winter here in Indiana. There's not a huge charge network, and the whole trip, I mean, most of it was good, but the charging aspect, it was... I don't want to say it was a nightmare because we, I mean, I'm here, we made it home, but I've got another story to tell you and it'll just have to wait until next week because I am out of time, my self-imposed time anyways for this episode, so I will boot that story to next week. It's kind of interesting. I'll, uh, I'll bitch and complain about some other stuff, but anyways, that's all I've got for this episode of Stay Home Dad's podcast. Like I said, no real crazy great dad advice today just uh just talk just a lot of talk by me let's just be accepting and inviting to our parents continued help and support no matter how old we are okay we're gonna be doing the same thing to our kids when they're adults as well i know it when the time comes we're gonna be there also if you're looking for that puppy for christmas just do your homework so it all goes smooth as possible and uh Just do your research. If you have a puppy breeder buying experience, please let me know how it went. Please let me know what questions you asked and what the overall feel was. Because my head is still, you know, I don't know what to believe. It's like I'm in the matrix or something. So send me a message at podbean.com or at stayathomedads underscore podcast on Instagram and just, just let me know how it all went. Also, last little tip. Make sure you have the right adapter for your EV before you go on a long road trip in the middle of winter, okay? Like I said, that story will wait until next week, but you probably already know what happened. All right, that's it. I appreciate you guys listening, and I will talk to you all next week.